0: Let's uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord God, we are grateful for your word. Grateful to sit before it submissively. Thank you, in your Son's name. Amen. We are in 1 Kings. Kind of a, a smattering of passages from 1 Kings. All having to do with... Uh, Solomon and uh, Solomon's wisdom and a lot of people uh, Solomon's a favorite of mine I mean I love Ecclesiastes I love the Proverbs um, i kind of been to ancient kings who were despotic and could say bury that slave in gold and that would it would happen. But everyone else, you know, who kind of has a, a negative feeling about Ecclesiastes, and that, so they, 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 they're looking for some sort of way to move him off the stage. They say, well, well yeah, what about what happened to him? You know, his, all those wives and all that nonsense. And they almost get to wash Solomon's influence off the. Off of, I mean, he wrote three books of the Bible. How many have you written? And the Lord said he was the wisest of anybody who had been born and would be born. Maybe speaking only of kings, but quite a quite a uh, amazing character and production. I understand the objections. We're going to look at some of those objections today. But what I want you to think about is the nature of. About, about the nature of how we view Solomon, Solomon is sort of a a type. I was talking to my wife uh, this week, quiet moment at the kitchen counter, and we were reminiscing about early days of the ministry and and um, the, the couples and the people we knew back in the way back and um, everyone seen, so this is Jesus people days, this is, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of people really into Bible studies, well attended, everybody studying the word and then 20 years later, 30 years later a lot of those couples, a lot of those families, a lot of those people drove it into a wall, basically and my wife was asking, me. Was there any way you could anticipate that? You know, looking at everybody suspiciously as they come through your life. I don't trust you. I was thinking about it, and and, and I know I think about things too much, but uh, hindsight is not the opposite of foresight. Okay? Hindsight is looking at that which has been chosen you have already chosen. You look back at it, it's fixed in history. We can look back at Solomon and go, yep, that's what he did. But Solomon is thinking these things in 1 Kings 3, dealing with this. <coughs> without the fixity of history, he's looking into the future where his choices haven't made it yet. Haven't chosen what he should cho- choose. <coughs> It's not the exact mirror image viewed from different ends because there's a different task on you. Even if, you, you know, even if you're, you know, some of the saints here are, are, are deterministic in their uh, outlook, even if you hold that view that, that, there's, uh, that things are fated by God, um, as we look at it, we don't have the privilege of laying claim to the knowledge of what will be. What was, yes. What will be, no. You don't have the same vision in foresight that you have in hindsight. So sometimes as we look at friends of ours that, again, drove it into a wall, and you want to warn the saints who are faithfully attending wherever they're attending, you want to warn them. You don't want them to think, or you want them to think clearly about what that future is going to be written by. So I wanted to pull out some things in this event with Solomon, because at the end of David's life, David, uh, there on the left-hand side, top passage, 1 Kings 2, 1, when David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do, and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, they shall not fail you a man on the throne of Israel. He's basically saying... Foresight. Whose is that? That's not Drew's, because there's Drew. Somebody is disappointed in life. Guess, guess. What? Ah. The. Uh, it's kind of like the, the crows in our summer Bible study that made it onto the, the, the recorded version the murder of crows hanging out over the Bible study, uh, being ominous about what I was saying. Show yourself a man. When you realize that your future is going to be made, the Lord is saying to you, you and the Lord are going to make your future. It doesn't matter which, which future it is, you and the Lord are going to make it. So if you choose wrongly, the Lord will participate, hope you make that future. (coughs) If you do what is right, if you man up, you and the Lord can make a glorious future, regardless of where you are in history, where you are in the world, where you are economically, where you are, because the Lord and you, That submission, that bowing of the knee, that taking it upon yourself, when it says, show yourself a man, it's making a a claim about uh, um, what it's going to take out of you. What you're going to have to take this sort of decision a little like it's kind of your fault. The Lord's grace, you're not going to get anywhere without the Lord's grace. The Lord is not going to be able to... But your only other choice is the Lord's judgment. So you make some choices between how I decide I'm going to do this, my own way, get the Lord's judgment, his way, get the Lord's grace, that it would turn out. But it takes quite the decision. Now, that was David's... uh, encouragement to Solomon and in chapter 3 of Kings chapter 3 of Kings, it says Solomon loved the Lord. I know you got the hindsight, you got the rest of his story worked out, chasing other gods and other women. We'll get to that. But at this point Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense at the high places, which sounds awful as you go, oh, you get all huffy about it. There wasn't a temple. Okay, There wasn't a temple. He hadn't built the temple yet. So the high places is where you went. God did not prefer that, and that's why the temple was going to get built. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings upon that altar. That's a busy priesthood. Um, You'd be hard-pressed with a gun to kill a thousand bulls every day. I mean, you'd be running through the crowd and they've got, they've got to do it liturgically, you know, with funny hats and, and, and knives made out of bronze. A thousand burnt offerings upon that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. So God is not above, I mean, it's a great high place. It's the It's not where the people of Israel needed to get to, but it's where they were at. And God met Solomon there in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And you, some of you have seen Aladdin enough times. Where, what's his name? Who's the guy? Robin Williams. gets to be the genie. And you can't imagine, God shows up, sort of the, the big djinn, and says, what shall I give you? And you're all imagining those late night conversations after three beers, when you decided what you were going to do if you won the lottery. Oh yeah, I got to give a lot to the church. Yeah, got to bribe God first so he knows that you're one of those good people. What would I, what, what what would you, you sign up for? What what shall I give you? You're having a, a, a lucid dream basically. God's talking to you at the high place at Gibeon there's a thousand dead cattle in the previous day. You, you, you are a kind of person. You are a kind. You are a set of mindfulnesses, spiritualities, passions, all of which you've been arranging most of your days to certain ordinate values. As you say, I think this is more important, that I be well-liked Make me well liked at school. I want a lot of money, whatever it is. It's going to show who you are. Are you the man? Are you, are you playing this game to its good end? Are you being strong, or are you being weak? And Solomon said, thou hast shown great and steadfast love to thy servant David, my father because he walked before thee in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in the uprightness of heart toward thee, and thou hast kept for him this great and steadfast love, and hast given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Now you hindsighters are going, yeah, but uh, they did, no, they did Bathsheba, He'd come up with this great sin on how he kills a guy, commits adultery, what do I What do I do with that? Well, why don't you stop and like, remember, Solomon is the son of Bathsheba. Okay? It's not like, oh, I didn't know. I mean, there's an element of his older brother, by Bathsheba, died because of David's sin. It's not like he's missing this, but he's looking at David, and David made a set of choices that kept him, and he, like Solomon, writing books of the Bible, where he becomes the article of the Messiah's family line, in the line of the house of David, a friend of God, a man after God's own heart. Yeah, you sinned too. And our hindsight sometimes doesn't make enough of the grace of God in dealing with things, but Solomon has looked back at his father and said, wow. God's been good to him and he's been good before God. A real thankfulness of what has happened or can happen. Think of these things. You've got, you need to man up. This is a decision about your future. This is how it's going to turn out. You want the hand of God gracing you or you do want the hand of God standing against you. Do you, like Solomon, love the Lord? I mean, really. I mean, not, not when the catechism that you are practiced in is chanted. But do you love the Lord? Is your, by that, I mean, is your face turned towards him? His face is turned towards you. He loves you. But this decision, even he loves even the sinners. He died for the sinners. So, do you love him? Is your face turned towards him? And when you have the vision that lays it out for you, you say, what shall I give you? What does your heart spit out? First thing it spits out of Solomon is thanksgiving for his father. Thanksgiving for his circumstances, he's been placed on the throne of his father. Not in an easy situation. His brother was already having a party down the way. Claiming to have be, been, been made king. He had a bunch of the priestly claset. He had Joab on his side. Only Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet on Solomon's and God had decided for Solomon. It was a dicey go. He had to have his brother killed to stop that kind of uh, insurrection and, and, and treasonous behavior. And now, O Lord, verse 7, my God, thou hast made thy servant king in place of David my father. Though I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. basically, I can't tie my own shoes. Now, you know he could. He could go out. He could go in. He was not a child, he was an adult. But what's he saying? After he has thanked God, he's going to play the man. He's going to love the Lord. He's going to thank God. And then he's going to view himself rather accurately. No, you know, this is a meritocracy, and uh, you pick the right guy, Lord. I am a, I'm king material. Well, Solomon, in most people's minds, was king material. It was the glory moment, it's the golden age of Israel. But Solomon's opinion of himself is I am but a little child. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, whom thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. It's a big problem I'm facing. Part of manning up is not so that you would understand how big the problem is and run away, but understand how big the problem is and drop to your knees and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not smart enough to run this because you got, you've counseled friends, you've, you've been kind to various people who are messed up, and you're wondering how they made these choices. It's really, most of life, we laugh at it because, you know, class distinction, but it's a hold my beer moment for everyone. They actually they get up in the morning, and look at their wife and go here hold my beer and they go out there and do dumb things all day long think dumb things all day long sign contracts that are stupid get into arrangements with people who are the worst thing that they can ever think of doing and they're doing it confidently Solomon got a leg up, He's one of the chosen people he's the son of David Got good counselors, but he says, "I don't know. This is a big job. Your life is a big job. Your life, whatever fate you and the Lord write up for you." I'm not a fan of this illustration because, but I'm a fan of C.S. Lewis. (coughs) uh, In his uh, work, uh, uh, "Great Divorce," because he struggles with the whole issue of time at the end of the book. He tries to have people's lives be decreed, but not by God, but by themselves. He create, I won't explain it. was very imaginative, but... To some degree, you are. You and the Lord are going to prove in your life, on your carcass, in, on your grave, what fate you and he wrote. He wants to combine with you on this, He wants to go forward with you on this. He will go forward with you on this. What are you going to make it look like? Because you kind of like those videos on the YouTube. That's what old people do, is they always put the in front of anything. The Walmart. The Facebook. Well, on the YouTube, you, you kind of like those... Uh, People are awesome videos where they're doing it. Then they have awesome and fails together. You kind of love to see the fails, right? Because Somebody thinks they can make this jump. They're not going to make it. And you know they probably broke every bone in their body. You're laughing there in your living room. Because you enjoy seeing the comeuppance of unwise choices. Do you know? Do you know that your choices are writing what your hindsight will observe. The judgment on the last day is God's perfect hindsight. He's going to pull it all up, everything you've done, whether it be good or evil. Your foresight, your choices, your values are going to come forward and say, yeah, God and I partnered on this one. This life, well done, good and faithful servant. Or you can also say, God and I partnered on this one. And I asked him to hold my beer while I messed it all up. You've got a problem called life. God being merciful to you, three score and ten. You might make it to 70. You might make it to 80. My dad makes it to 90 in about a week. Isn't your birthday early October, too? Which day? Seventh. My dad's sixth, seventh, I'm eighth. I knew he was a blessed child. We've got this life God has handed you, and most of you think, because you're young, that you're immortal, that you are guaranteed. It shocks us when a young, Rebecca was telling me about a young man who died, um, a converted Muslim, uh, died early in life. And you're always like, what? What? How does that happen? Because you think you got 70, 80 years ahead of you and you might what are you going to do how are you going to view it do you have the humility because once you realize I love God this is a serious decision I'm really thankful for what he's already done and I'm really an idiot so now what next point Give thy servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern thy people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this thy great people? I need some insight, thank you very much. Solomon in the Proverbs always recommends that, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you get anything, get insight. Because that's what the person in Alabama who wants you to hold his beer has not got. He does not realize basic physics. That article, that ramp, that gorge, Newton could have told him. He's not going to make it. If you had insight, you wouldn't do such a dumb thing. If you had insight, you wouldn't have said that to your spouse. If you had insight... You would know how people are, how people would react, what kindness does. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. That's always a good thing. That's always a good sign. Please the Lord. Ever was something, you know, at at, that dinner table, just you and the wife, never that case in our lives, but uh, you and the 14 other people, that you sit down to dinner with. Um, it would be nice to look up and say, you know, I think it think I pleased the Lord today. I think the Lord's pleasure was on me today. It's not a horrifying thought, it's one the Lord does actually have that reaction about people. It pleases God that you do X. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master, God rejoicing in who you are who you become. It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this, and, and you're going, Well, oh, doesn't God know what's going to happen to Solomon later? That's your own theology, work that out. But right now, he's with Solomon where Solomon is chosen. And God said to him, Because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life, oh. That's what we would have asked for. Or riches. Oh no, I mean not. Or the life of your enemies. And you should be glad I don't ask for that. But have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. Okay? God is there in this kind of track. Take it seriously. Love him. Thank him. Be humble. And ask for the right thing. But the boy, at any point, we can just we manage to uh, throw a wrench into the machinery. Do you like the phrase wrench in the machinery, or do you like spanner in the works? Do you prefer one or the other? That spanner in the works sort of Anglicism, you know. that, uh, I always like spanner in the works, but everybody goes, What are you talking about? Wrench in the machinery. You know, we got all the, way, all the way here, right? Big decisions, love God, thank you, um, humble, ask for the right things, and then not do it. And if, verse 14, if and if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days because without obedience it's, it's just a, a play, just a philosophical set of opinions that you have about God and God about you know, boy he, he sure knows how to ask for the right things he sure understands the difference between good and evil and that's where Solomon is this great lesson to us because nobody shall arise after him and nobody was before him that had the wisdom like he had And you've read the Proverbs. And you've read Ecclesiastes. And you go, this is 1000 BC. The Greeks didn't come up with anything for another 600 years. And some Jewish king is going, you know, i got this figured out. All of life, he's got it all figured out. He said, wow, what a smart guy. And this works for him. This really does work for him because like you said you've read the books of his wisdom and I like the reviews I, I, I believe that people do you guys write reviews online like a restaurant you've been to they come from somewhere right I don't know I don't write them but this is the review of Queen of Sheba now let's let's be honest right here because I said the Queen of Sheba and then Kipling he calls her Malchus which is a great name that's her traditional name and Balchus, Queen of Sheba and there are paintings by the pre-Raphaelites of the Queen of Sheba meeting Solomon I mean it's, it's a painting I would love to own all that oriental splendor and of course the Queen of Sheba is Fayyayin I mean she's just seriously seriously, really and that's what we always assume, right? But you have you ever seen pictures of real queens? They don't they're like kings. There's no You're not automatically handsome to be a king. You're not automatically hot because you're the queen of Sheba. Especially since she's an intelligent woman. You go, oh, she's probably educated. She's probably you know, you sort of I sort of like to picture, just to keep myself honest, someone around seventy who Because she's a queen, has all the food she wants, we'll just say. Well, how do you view the Queen of Sheba? First Kings, it's on the left-hand side, 10, 6. And she said to the king, the report was true, which I heard in my own land of your affairs and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came and with my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report which I heard. Happy are your wives. His collection had already started at that point. Happy are your wives. Happy are these your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king. That you may execute justice and righteousness. This is exactly what Solomon has to be able to do—to be just. This great people, this rule, good, bad. I need to understand it, and he now he does. And the out-of-town, seventy-year-old, large woman from Sheba, she recognizes it, and she recognizes the benefit that it's doing in his life. Right? All of his wives, all of his servants get to sit around and hear his wisdom about things. And how can we ruin this? Because you already knew the story, right? You already knew what happened to Solomon. Your story isn't written to, to a pattern where you have to have this success or this failure. Your 2020 hindsight, I don't know what the measure of foresight would be, but it's not looking at what has happened. It's looking at what will happen be made to happen by God's grace God's judgment and your choices and just like the choices that Solomon made that David advised that God was pleased with similar similar track in Solomon's life when obedience starts to go missing people go how could he have been so smart so smart and taken for a ride by those women now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. The daughter of Pharaoh and Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. And those Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Now, now, I have as the first thing here on the left hand side love for the world which you can take your pudgy fingers and grab hold of and, and say not because they were from other parts of the world that was love for the world but they were the world they were the pagans they had other gods and that changed the way Solomon viewed his court partially because just is what they brought culturally what they brought religiously. How you had to make them feel comfortable and home. Partially because they were fine. Solomon clung to these in love. That's a great phrase. It's not like, he married a lot of women. No, he clung to these in love. Which, when it's good women, it's a good thing. When it's bad women, it's a bad thing. The presence of the world, the presence of the way the pagans have made religion to be, adds sex to that. And a desire to please, a desire to be with. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. Because variety. And his wives turned away his heart. So his love for the Lord wasn't what it ought to be. His wisdom, obviously, hadn't found action. You can see all sorts of wisdom where Solomon, at least at one point in his life, whether it's at the end of his life or before this happened, um, understood what women would do to you. So love for the world, love for women. For when Solomon was old, his wife turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord. He's got that phrasing. His heart was not wholly true. How many Christians walk into church, if they go to a church that has a, a churchy building, or go to Christian events, whatever, as part of the not quite holy for God and they think well this will keep this God happy it's no more than anybody else does no less than anybody else does I'm, I'm right here but I'm not wholly true because you serve other agents as was his heart he was not wholly true as was his heart, the heart of David his father for Solomon went after Ashtoreth the goddess of the Sidonians and after Milcom the abomination of the Ammonites So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. I don't know if that's the Mount of Olives. Maybe, probably, that's east of Jerusalem. go back. Solomon loved the Lord. He still worshipped at the high places. He went to the high place at Gibeon to meet with the Lord. It was the right thing, the right God. But you get down to here in Chemosh and Molech and Milcom. The Ashtoreth. And he was not holy for God. Now what 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 has happened here? How did he get not holy for God? Not not the H O L Y W H O L Y, not holy there. And so he did for so and so he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon went from being very pleased with Solomon to angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel. And little side note, who had appeared to him twice. What do we do? Your experience with Jesus Christ and the gospel either changed you wonderfully, you have a testimony to give, you know it's there, it was, it was recountable and you've recounted it and you know you had that experience. What made that untrue? What greater experience did you have with the Ashtoreth? Oh, it was the chicks. You know, going to the church that she wants to go to. Or even denying the religion that you know is true because God has appeared to you, your heart is pointed, is facing something else when I said Solomon loved the Lord his face was toward God when Solomon loved the women his face was toward the women and they were burning incest to other gods and it doesn't really matter I'll just keep one foot in my worship of Yahweh but I'll be over here as well and that makes God very angry because he's a jealous God And had commanded him concerning this thing. Not only, I told you, didn't I tell you? Do you know anybody that is an idolater? There are some idolaters around. You know they're warned about it, right? You don't do that. And yet, they'll, because of some force, emotional or otherwise, they'll end up being idolaters. Or adulterers, or thieves, or drunkards. Even though we are told, even though God had said that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. The results, you've got to constantly minister yourself in as well. Not only all the procedure, not only the prayers of thanksgiving, the prayers of humility, the agreement with his his, um, insight, trying to grow in knowledge and grace and truth, but you have to have the results. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. Your faith has to be seen in the righteousness that God is producing in you. You remember, you and the Lord are designing this life. Your foresight, your future, it's a uh, a joint project. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your mind, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. When you look back at a life that God did not bless, except that series of decisions, and I'm not talking about you might say, success blessings, I mean, success in, in Solomon's life, but he's a success of a king. All the successes of a king are gonna be, you know, sort of ostentatious, military, whatever else. A success for you, um, maybe just having your head screwed on straight and not being, not being silly. Have we we don't want the kingdom you were given. Whatever you were given rule wise, whatever, you don't want it torn from you. You want to humbly and and at any point you can go back to this sort of thing where you man up and say, I need to I need to make the right decisions, I need to love my God, I need to thank my God, I need to be humble before my God, I need the insight from the Lord, and I need to obey. Because his blessing is something I really want. Um, I'm going to, there at the end he says that last line, I'm going to give it to your servant. This is Jeroboam he's talking about. He's going to give the kingdom to Jeroboam. And how can that be? Well, why, why, do you, why do you have to say that? It's part of the punishment. You know, um, Davis and I were talking yesterday. You've heard of privilege? I believe I have some, because I'm pretty white. People, Davis was pointing out to me that people use the word privilege almost like they then spit after privilege. Because it's not right that anybody should be given a better situation. You ever look at other people's lives and go, I don't know if envy is a sin or coveting or whatever else. Jealousy. Part of your punishment part of your punishment is you standing there beat up by the Lord's judgments. I'm not talking about what wicked people might do to you or whatever else that you may get as just persecution. But you know the difference. Don't try to confuse the issue with you know, emblems of your righteousness where your bad life goes sour, but emblems that you know God did to you because you really weren't doing it the way God wants you to do it. And you'll look at somebody else who's doing it just fine, blessed in their lives. Part of your punishment is looking at that. That's why he tells Solomon, I'm going to take away the kingdom, give it to your servant. I have that passage from Romans, in order to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. This is essentially, um, from my viewpoint, I mean, I'm not saying that my theology is, is, oh yeah, it's actually true, but I don't want you to be trapped by a difference that we might have. But think in terms of this is not unfair. This is um, your future by agreement. Whatever it is you get is whatever it is you signed up for. Our God is very powerful. Powerful to judge, powerful to reward, power to make good and evil in people's lives. And you have an agreement with them by what path you take. And I, out of context, quote that last bit, can two walk together, unless they be agreed? You wanna walk together with the Lord? You gotta agree about what kind of future you're writing. Are you you making the right moves? Are you loving your God? Are you bowing the knee? Are you humbling yourself? Are you thanking? Big problem with lack of thanksgiving. People don't look around and go, my heavens, what good God has done for me. Even in my torment and my circumstance, I breathe free air in the United States of America. Oh, we still complain. But thank God. And thank God for Solomon. It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked us. Let's thank him. Dear Lord, we're grateful. Be merciful to us. Help us understand that our pursuit of you is enjoyed by you and that good things happen spiritually good sometimes materially good we just ask that you would be gracious to us as we pursue you all the way through obedience and that we would not begin to think that we're smart enough to do it without you this we ask in your son's name amen